On today's show, we are continuing to break down stereotypes, but rather than focusing on a nationality, today we are focusing on disabilities. Maxime Porlo is an actress, director, and film producer who for many years worked behind the camera because of her passion for film, but in recent years has broken into acting. She speaks about the importance of having disabled people in front of the camera and showcasing the fact that although someone may have to use a wheelchair or has a disability, they are people with feelings and goals. In order to normalize how society sees people with disabilities, we need to start seeing more of them in the film and media. And that is just what Maxime is trying to do. We hope you enjoy the show. Multi-part questions. Uh, my name is Maxine de Pomerlo. I live in Montreal, in Quebec, Canada. So I'm far away from home right now. And um, I am um, I am currently an artist and a journalist. Uh, my artist part of life is uh, related to uh, the cinema and TV field. Most of it as an actress. Uh, sometimes as a um, collaborator into writing or uh, producing production coordinator and I'm also a performing artist on stage um, as an integrated integrated dance um, performer um, just a, a short um, context uh, integrated dance is a movement from contemporary dance that combines dancers with and without disability uh, so I think it came out like in the 70s or something. There are a lot of countries where you have big uh, companies, mostly in the United States and in the UK. Uh, but some companies are, are well established in France as well. But you have almost nothing in Canada. And I work for one Montreal-based company called Corpus Dance, which is one of the only ones to hire really professional artists. Um, to uh, to construct and to, to produce to make some professional productions, and uh, so this is for the the, the the artist part. And the other part is um, I'm involved into the medias as a radio host on a community station, and so I've been writing a lot and collaborating with blogs and websites, uh, mostly about culture. Um, I started ten years ago, like writing about the punk scene and the local independent music scene in Montreal, in Quebec, in Canada. Um, so this is how I really learned, like, on, on the ground, how, on the work, how to work into the medias. I did some press relations as well, so that was kind of, this is my regular income, is working in that, and combined with, like, the, uh, the artist part that is taking more and more places now since the past two years. Uh, so this is basically what I do. Can I just ask if the radio station is in, in French or in English? The radio station is in French, and uh, it's it's uh, it's not on air. It's like there's no places anymore for waves, regular waves. So it's online and like on TV channels, so you can you can get it to, can get it there. And so I am in 
Germany right now because I was invited to go to uh, Film Fest Dresden, which is a short film festival. And uh, this year they had a big topic going on in the festival about inclusion. So how to make the festival more accessible to people with different disabilities. Uh, so it was mostly regarding um, the uh, audio description as well as caption for films. And uh, a little part of that was also the physical accessibility to the venues. And they had a panel about how to make uh, the, uh, the industry more accessible as well to artists with disability. And they had two special programs of short films related to disability, and I was playing in one of them uh, that is called Take Me, Homme. It's uh, made by directors and I Zabou La Valette and all this of point. And uh, I've been already touring like two years and a half with this film now. So I think this is my 10th or 11th international festival with this film. So the pretext was mostly like showing the film, but mostly having me on uh, panels and participating to workshops as well about accessible filmmaking and try to, to push that a little further in the industry. Can you tell us a little bit about the film? What exactly yep. it's covering? Yes. Uh, the film, um, yeah, the, the, the short film, it, it was my second short film. It came out in 2014, and it's about um, sexual assistance. It's a fiction, uh, but the director wanted to explore uh, this, um, this idea of intimacy um, and forced intimacy between three characters. So I play a young woman uh, who's in a couple uh, with another young man, and they both want to have uh, sexual relations, uh, but they both live in a facility uh, for disabled people, which is mostly reserved to people who really have important needs, like daily needs. They need help to, to wash themselves, to put on their clothes, sometimes eat. So the, the main character that we follow uh, is a nurse, and it's part of his duty to actually um, participate or help uh, into the, uh, the sexual activity. So it really challenges him a lot uh, and his values as well as just like being challenged on the fact that it's you're part of an activity that is usually uh, really intimate between two people that you, you don't see it's behind closed doors. So so it's about that 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 story. So I my part was I mean my, my character is not really developed. We don't we don't know anything about her. But our part was mostly to support this, uh, this purpose and, and this, this course that she wanted to explore. So how did you get into the exchange? Was, was that real, the first film we did? And how, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah. I, um, I got involved into making films uh, because... Well, okay, I'll come back like a little earlier. Um, I studied, when I was in college, I studied uh, in cinema and communications as well as in production theater for a year. And so I, when I was in high school, I did a lot of improv as well. So I was always 
uh, appealed and interested into like performing and do stuff. I, I did theater as well in, in high school. Um, but after college, I didn't pursue into that field because I thought it wasn't for me, especially because I was using a wheelchair. And so I didn't make any audition to, uh, to the National Theater School or to a conservatory because anyway I thought it was impossible so I went more into like the production and coordination thing with special events as well as working on web series kind of projects that my friends were starting and it's one of my friends that was working in cinema that she asked me to be uh, her main actress for a short film she wanted to make she at first she didn't have any idea she was just like well i want you to play for me and i'm gonna come up with something like in a week and uh she she ended up with this idea uh, of bad wheel a superhero for disabled people so for us it was really uh actually putting jokes that we were already doing and uh, making jokes about the fact that i was stuck in the snow making jokes about the fact that it was really hard to get around with the public transportation uh, in Montreal, um, playing about that kind of stuff. And we are also really big fans of the old Batman series in the 60s. So it's kind of a little sketch. And she's actually not really good at saving people, since she needs herself a lot of resources to get around. So it was for us a kind of, in a humoristic way, to criticize an old lady society. And we did that and we had a really good response actually of, of people from the industry around her as well as some festivals that programmed the film uh, in Quebec. And so it was kind of my breakthrough into the media and into the industry. So I kind of connected again with that creative part that I was in, that I just put away um, so it, it's a little bit how it started because after it's how mostly media uh, so for the people in the industry it came out a little after with the second film uh, take me but like mostly in the media they knew me with that character and so this is how I got more and more uh, offered to participate and collaborate on different mostly different things related to disability but just also like creative uh, TV things or just short films or get in touch with more producers, more directors, or just go in a festival, starting my festival uh, circuit. So this is how I got into that. Having worked in both like the producing side of film and also the acting side, do you experience any changes between going between those two sides? Yes. <laughs> um, well, at first I think it helped me a lot to work as a coordinating uh, production, um, but to work as a coordinator. Um, I think it helped me a lot to understand how it worked behind the camera. So when I was in front of the camera, I, I could do my job and just understand what's the role of everybody that's, that is on the set. It converts you and, uh, because you're not totally lost. And also because you understand what is the uh, what are the uh, the difficulties of doing a production as well. It's all independent stuff, 
and uh, it helped, yeah, so I think my experience um, helped me to be more solid when, when, I, when I was about to play and to, to, yeah, to understand like the jobs of everybody, even the jobs after the film in communication. I understand that since, since I'm doing communication and press relations for other people and different organizations. So I kind of understand every part of like the pre-production, production, post-production post or communication. Even though I'm not like an editor or something, I don't know anything about cameras, I'm really bad at it. But I, I understand the concept. And the main difference, I think, uh, happened when I was in front of the camera so on the screen, it's been really present now. The more and more I am present in the media, the more and more I see when my image is up there, uh, the more and more people put me in the face that I am disabled. Which didn't happen before because I was behind the camera, so nobody knew. Nobody knew when I was just coordinating maybe, and sending emails to arrange stuff to get, to get permits to shoot. Uh, to get credentials or something that, that I was in a wheelchair. But since you see me on the screen, and well, you can probably ignore it, um, it's really, really more present, that idea. And I am more defined by my condition than by my work. Um, so last week, you kind of <coughs> told me about how diversity in the, in the world of film often has only kind of branched into race relations or a little bit of like indigenous people, but it's rarely talks about disabled people. Can you talk a little bit about your experience and like how that, that also encompasses diversity and how you've been able to break into that? Yes. Yeah, for me it's um, for me it's a nuance that I that I take time to to bring out and to point out uh, to my fellows in the in the cinema and TV industry is that we talk a lot about diversity, which is really, really important. It was a big uh, movement last year with Oscars so white. It's still going on. We still need to talk about it. It's something that happened as well in, in Quebec, um, so a, a smaller scale. But th still, I think it happens a little everywhere in, in different industries in every countries. Uh, but it's mostly things that we see related to uh, cultural backgrounds or race, color of the skin, um, but it's not, it doesn't include like uh, plus size people or people with disabilities, so we're not talking about like body diversity, and I think for me it's really important because you still have people that are marginalized and are pushed away from the screen, and since we don't see them often, we tend to forget them, and we tend to not know their reality. And even if, even though what you what you see on the screen is not always like the reality, because we can play on fiction, we can play on that. I mean, the film, the short film, is not my the short films I made are not my reality. I am not a superhero, and I don't live in a in a facility for disabled people with uh, that that have sexual assistance. Um, so it brings light to it, so but yeah. it's important. Yeah. And, but but the, the fact that I'm there, at least it shows a, a certain diversity 
and alternative models. I know um, it's, it's one of the arguments, the fact that young kids and teenagers are looking for role models in TV. So this is why they need to see people that, that, that they can relate to. I know it's not, it's not me, I've never been looking for that, but I know some people are, some disabled people, teenagers, they need like to see somebody on the screen that is not like in a hospital, that is not in a, in a model that you have pity for them, that, that are actually powerful and, um, and that have control over their lives that are inspiring in ways that it's different that we see usually like for inspiring people. So just for that, I think we need to open a little more the discourse and when you talk about diversity, it should include a lot more people than what we actually do. But this is how it starts and it's in the mainstream media at least. It's, it's now, now it's there, it's out there, we talk about it, but yeah, I think we definitely miss a lot of representations. So are there any other festivals which promote accessibility and show diversity? The Sundance Film Festival or the Berlinale, we, we did not hear anything about diversity. Mm -hmm. um, uh, for my experience, until this day, some uh, festivals really, really took it uh, further than any other festival I've seen because it was presented almost every day. Uh, they were talking about it. They made and they, but they, they, they did like baby steps because you, you cannot be like fully accessible or inclusive. Like it's here, it's hard. You have to change the culture in itself like in the festival itself. So they did subtitle and, and audio description on one of the six international competitions, which is really good. Uh, the, the both programs related to disability were with captions and audio description. They made efforts to different uh, venues to make them more accessible. And uh, they were talking about it, they were a panel, they were inviting people of the industry to reflect on that and also there was uh, somebody who was uh, singing in, in uh, sign language at the opening ceremony, at the award ceremony, a different competition uh, program. So just that, it normalizes the idea that your audience is, is diverse and that has diverse needs as well. And um, for the Berlinade, I, I must admit that I know few about that festival other than uh, it's really uh, prestigious <laughs> to go there. And, uh, but but I, I didn't heard about anything related to, uh, to the idea of being more inclusive. When two years ago, I went to Sundance with, again, a short film Take Me. And it was uh, selected in international competition uh, for short uh, fiction. And so uh, I really pushed, uh, well, for the uh, correct institutions to get funding to go there. Like me or anybody on the team, I was just like, we need to go there. It's so important. It's, it's a, the biggest festival 
uh, for independent movies. So let's just go there. And finally, yeah, I was I was sent there, and I saw like in the program there was a um, panel regarding uh, representation of disability in American television. So you had a couple of writers, actors um, from AMC, from from different big TV channels, and we were talking about like diversity and the way it's represented. And um, I was really disappointed because it was supposed to take place at the, I don't know, library of something um, in Park City, where you had all the other panels, like writers of uh, just the golden age of writers. They took writers from HBO, from AMC, from Showtime to do a panel about writing. I had another panel that was about uh, the, the TV series Girls. It was a, a lot of big things going on. But it was at the third floor. And they realized at last minute that on their own panel, they had people are with reduced mobility, with disability, and also that they would have some in the audiences as well. So they changed the location really last minute to another places in the museum uh, that was accessible. But I was really pissed to that. Like nobody thought about it when they were doing the program. How come nobody thought about it? And so for me, it was really the best example that even though you talk about it or that you, you made some room for the subject and all your life, 900 activities, you still don't think about exactly what are the realities of these people. But they're arrogant. It is. It is in a certain way arrogant. And it was also like the only panel that uh, wasn't um, sponsored by big sponsors. I mean, everybody's fighting to get a sponsored place in Sundance. You got Audi. Uh, Nikon, Canon, uh, again, HBO, every TV channel, yeah. E1, every film produ producer fights to get, a uh, to, to get a place, to get a sponsor there. But this, this panel was sponsored by Shriners Hospital. So it's like, it's okay, they got, they got, a, they got, they got a sponsor and they could do something, which is more important. But I mean, it's a fucking hospital. Why not having Audi or like any other luxury uh, brand to just say, okay, yeah, well, I'm gonna sponsor it because it's important anyway. We're talking about an important topic, as more as as much important as the other. And so that tells me a lot about how we see again that topic in the industry itself and in society. We see it as something related to health. We see it as something related, uh, yeah, to to special needs, to something that we're not really touched, and that is for sure not sexy to sell. People seem to only see one aspect of a disability, but don't look behind. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think one of that re one of the reasons. It, that we are so stuck in one model of disability is because uh, we don't have um, representations. We have wrong representations in the media. So it's not accurate and it's often really depressing 
and I don't I don't relate at all to everything I see on the screen. So it might be why in a certain way that I have my own project that fits more my idea. But uh, yeah, the presentation. So if every time you see a person with a disability on the screen and that uh, it's always a tragedy uh, she, or that she's so inspiring because she overcomes her disability, which by the way is really bad to say because that means that the disability is greater than the person. So at some point there is something really extraordinary that happens in her life and then she overcomes her disability and she becomes normal again. Like, so it's always that kind of representation that we have. So of course what, what, what we think about it is just one aspect and it's the one that is that, that, that is pity and, and really not, not attractive. Not attractive at all. But it could be. Um, so right now on our show we're doing a mini-series about breaking down stereotypes and kind of trying to give awareness to those who were preemptively labeled by just one identity, so like just a disability. And um, although being disabled is part of your identity, do you, how do you help people see you as just a person, as more than just a disability? Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's a so good question. And I would like to have that question more often. So shout out to your questions. <laughs> um, well, I would say maybe I would have like two, two aspects of, uh, of answer to that question. Um, yeah, like the first answer to that question. I think their one-on-one -on -one contact with people help them a lot to see me as a person and not like with disability. Often my friends don't even think about it. A couple of my friends, they absolutely don't know what I have. Like, what's my disease? Why do I need a wheelchair most of the time? They don't even know about it. They're just like, uh, well, she has a wheelchair. She walks a little bit. Oh, anyway, she, we're going to shows and party together. This is, this is the relationship that we have. The fact that we are together today, that I can talk a little more about like, my point of view regarding disability, regarding representation, regarding the industry, society, um, I think it, it helps to break that idea that I am just disabled. And uh, so yeah, so the one-on-one -on -one contact is really good actually. So this is why I always, every journalist that I, that interviews me, I always take the time to really explain why I say the words that I say. For me, it's really important to use the right words as well, so they kind of understand and more, and, they, and, and it helps them to first to get me more, and then to, to get the, the topic a little more, and talk better about it. And as well as all my friends, all people I meet in the industry, all people I meet at festivals as well, they don't know me at all. If they've seen their film, what they had in mind is just the character of the film. So it all is, it's also cool to have the opportunity to separate the character from, from the actor. And so they get to know me more. And the other aspect would be when I'm presenting the medias. 
and talking about different issues regarding disability. It's mostly how I started. I, I don't aspire to make just that because I'm getting sometimes really tired of just talking about it. So I select like the occasions to talk about it. And, but sometimes now I, I decline a lot of stuff because I'm just tired and I'm just bored of that. And I also don't want to be labeled since I'm just labeled for now like with disability stuff. I don't want to push that too far, so I want to like push on other parts of, of my activities and push it further. So now I get more invited into just let's talk about culture, let's talk about different different stuff. And yes, of course, I have a special input because of my situation. Um, I'm a kind of hybrid, you know, I'm in between. And this is how a little bit I see myself as well, as a bridge. Like, let, let's try to create a dialogue between two, between a, yeah, between a group of marginalized people that has a really bad representation in the media and the media so that they understand the reality and the public so he could see something different. So this is how I, uh, I see myself a little bit. Um, okay, so you speak very openly about it, and approach our society does not often follow. When did you realize the power that words held in terms of getting people to not only break down any prior misconceptions they held to you, but also to historically in your life? Like, when was the point where you were like, I, I'm going to start using words to get out there, or maybe my filmmaking and what I love to do to help bridge this gap? Yeah. Well, when was it in your life that, that happened? But I moved in Montreal to go to university. And like because I needed to get away from my parents. That's the first the first idea was to get out. So I moved to Montreal and um, I remember that the first year I, I, I had a lot of difficulties that were only related to my condition. It was really hard with the public transport. It was really hard even though uh, I was living in the um, uh, the, the student residency of, of the uh, the university, and that said that it was accessible. It wasn't. I needed like to really push and get back like almost every week, every month. Like to say, I still have to finish some stuff over there. And yeah, like ramps and stuff for like accessibility stuff. You mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like in in the apartment yeah. itself. And um, so so I had a lot of problems that were only related to my situation and not on the fact that I needed money to buy food or that I struggled to in, in my classes or something. I was really good. I had a super good social life. Uh, it was it was really nice. But I realized that it was I was just a number, that I was just seen as my disability and that the system was pretty hard on you. Because even though you want to be like independent, he's not going to give you the resources you need to. And I had that kind of reflection as well in, in, in some works that I did in, in university in writing. And the fact that I was sick to always see depressing stuff on TV because people were um, associating me with, with those depressing stuff. And, and so at some point, I. I I think I said like to myself, well, fuck you, society. You're not gonna have me. <laughs> and so 
after like one week of just staying on my couch and being depressed, I say, well, fuck you. And I think I'm still in that mind game of fuck you. And for me, the biggest fuck you that I can make to society is be present and visible in places that she doesn't want me around, which are the public, the public uh, space, the medias, and the coaches. So it's not just an idea of like fighting or always, it's just like, well, I'm gonna do what I like, so fuck you. And <laughs> this, is, this is kind of how it started. And by the idea that I didn't relate to the kind of um, common speech regarding disability, I always felt really awkward when people were telling me that I was brave or that I was inspiring just because I was going to the grocery store. I was like, well, are you brave just because like you cook vegetables? No, I don't think so. But, and, and, and it's also something that I want to point out. Like, would you say that to a black person? Or would you say that like to um, LGBTQ person as well? Oh, you're brave. No, they're not brave. And it's not brave either to have a date with me. It's not brave either to give me a job. It's not brave either to give me a job on a, on a production, on a dance production or a film. I am not a cause. I am a person. And so that kind of speech that would never work. I mean, it, it, it would make riots if people were telling that to black people. But it's still socially accepted to have that kind of discourse with disabled people. So the importance of using the right words, it's, for me, it's, it's, it's really uh, part of my uh, job. Mostly in French, I would say. Um, but yeah, we are not like the anti-cat. <laughs> it's not like that. You don't use that anymore since the 90s. It's like disabled people, or even better, people with disability, people with limitations. So it's a more inclusive way to state it, and it's also less um, labeling and less marginalizing. So for me, it was also about like having my own discourse when I was mostly with my friends. Again, they don't care, and we make joke and you're really not politically correct when we're all together but um, mostly for people at my work and in my industry right that they the fact even in the synopsis sometimes it's, it's really bad written just because they don't have the right name just because they don't know how to talk about it because they're not in touch with it and they don't take the time to ask <laughs> I think they just don't know I think they just don't realize. But asking is probably the most important way to get there, right? Like, Absolutely. If you ask the questions, you're going to gain some kind of insight you don't have. Absolutely. And yeah, and sometimes people just label me also a certain way. And like, oh, well, you, you spoke about this thing in accessibility like in the newspaper, so you're an activist. And just like, well, no, this is not how I define myself. Can you please ask me? how I define myself and we'll talk about it and so you can write it like in your paper afterwards or it's, it's also 
since I'm a little maniac about, about words and everything, I'm, I'm concerned about the representation of people with disability, but also women, also, uh, yeah, people from LGBTQ community, um, people uh, regarding race, um, how they are labeled in the media, how we talk about them. Why do we always talk about like a woman in sports, like that she's, she's a wife of another guy, another athlete or whatever? Why do we talk about like fucking makeup when it's the Olympics? So there are a lot of bias in the media that I point out, but it's also just because it's important for me to get things right. And, and it's the same for, for people with disabilities. So this is, this is a little bit how I do my work and slowly and slowly we see sometimes changes. Words define ideas and they shape how you see some reality. And it's the same thing for, for, for disability. So if we always use the word tragedy or like she, she's um, confined to a wheelchair with that kind of stuff. Of course, it's not it's not interesting, and, and you feel very bad, and it's really depressing. But that's the same. The, the, all the LGBT community had to create a lot of stereotypes. Uh, like 20 or 25 years ago, it was really like all about the coming out and all about like everybody wants to be a drag queen when we know that it's really not the reality, but this is how we were portraying them. And so it changed now, and we use a really better vocabulary regarding them that is really more um, sensitive and fine to, define, to, to talk about their situation, to talk about them, that's it. So I think it's kind of starting slowly with the disabled people. Might be like the next trend or whatever after after like gay and trans are taking a lot of uh, space and it was about time but like maybe like in five years or ten years we're going to talk like more um rightly about people with disabilities so um do you see yourself responsible for uh, opening the dialogue in the future as an actress as a as a journalist as a producer for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do feel a kind of responsibility since, since I have that um, opportunity to talk in the media. Yeah, it started with Bad Wheel um, because we didn't have to do uh, any uh, press release or something. It was a journalist from uh, Radio Canada, which is a French CBC in Montreal, that found me like on Twitter and Facebook, and then he wrote to us, well, okay, we really want to have you on the show. And this is kind of how it started. So I think there's an interest uh, in, in, uh, in some people. You, you really have people that want to wanna destroy stereotypes as well, and that, that find my work and my, my person interesting. And since I had that privilege, to be present, yeah, I feel a responsibility to talk about uh, some issues. I 
don't want to, like, I am not, like, the uh, public figure of the movement, or I am not the spokesperson of everybody with a disability. Also because we don't think all the same. So my my speech is, is something that I defined over the years. The reason why I think that way, why I say it that way. And but a lot of people uh, don't don't agree with 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 me, which is fine. So I'm not a spokesperson, I am not the most public figure regarding that and I am not a cop so when I'm there it's really like to speak my mind and I'm also not related to any kind of organization which is really good because it gives me a lot of freedom to say what I really want to say so I don't feel bad to say like that I give a fuck to society or like that the government doesn't do his job because I am not related to any kind of of a community organizations or um, or uh, organizations that are there to, uh, to promote rights uh, regarding uh, disabled people. So of course I, should, I support them as well as any kind of organization. But I am not linked to them, so it gives me a lot of freedom, and I I understood the value of that. Like in the past years. So, yeah, I take advantage of it. And I feel responsible for that. Do you have any additional reflections or statements that you want the world to hear that regarding disabled persons and your personal experience? Last world. <laughs> we have bias regarding a lot of people. Some of them are disabled people. And I think a lot of those bias come from the media representations that we have from So I would just say like we need to be conscious of that. It's it's the same with all the crisis that, that that's happening right now with the refugees or something. Suddenly the refugees is a threat? What the fuck? It's, it's shaped by the, by the media, it's shaped by the way we see them, that we talk about them in the public place, in the public um, sphere. So it's the same for, for people with disabilities. If we only see things that are depressing, we're gonna think that it's fucking depressing and you really don't wanna be in that position. And um, yeah, I would say just be conscious of your bias. And when you see something in the media is related to disability, ask yourself, is it, is it the reality as objects of pity or objects of inspiration? So it's, yeah, we got bias and we need to work on that. So I would just say that to people, like just be conscious of, of your own perceptions. Like when I was talking about like uh, ideas, yeah. But words shapes exactly. yeah. words shape ideas. It's also because we have a model of disability that the problem is the body of the person. It's not like the fact that there are stairs all everywhere. It's not the structure. It's not the institutions. It's not the environment. It's the body. So we're we are also like in a in a kind of um, culture where. You want to cure the body. 
and like you want to give them everything you want so he can walk again or he can like sustain or something so um it's really a bad way to look at it and this is how i felt when i was like in my early 20s till my early 20s actually till i, till I decided to say that fuck you to society i am not the problem and i shouldn't be a problem when i ask for equal rights and equal resources and my yes so my my body is not a problem and so i think a lot of people say, well, her handicap is mostly on the legs. I'm just like, well, no. The handicap is the environment. It's created by the environment. And it's not like related to a part of the body. That doesn't work like this. Thank you for listening to today's show of Substances. As Maxime noted, it is very important that we see diversity as not just diversity of skin color or sexual orientation, but also as bodies that are differently abled than what is generally classified as the norm. People who have disabilities, physically or mentally, are often put in a light where they are pitied, but instead, once again, a simple conversation is all we need in order to see past the visible conditions one has. Thank you for listening, and if you have any stories regarding disabilities or other stereotypes you think are important to be broken down, please email us and we would love to set up a time to interview you or a friend of yours. Let our platform be the voice to those who go unrecognized and let them become recognized. Again, we hope you enjoyed the show. And if you want to contact us, please email us at dosageofrepartee at gmail.com.